Hello there. I'm Ryan Woods, a Spartan god. This is my own mind. You're listening to the I'm a Spartan podcast, Scott Knowles. And I'm... What the fuck am I doing this, man? This is fucking stupid. Are you kidding me? I'm doing these favors for these bums? Nah, fuck this. I'm out here. Katie, bring me some wine. I'm fucking out. I am Scott the Fane Knowles, and you're listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR Podcast. What's up, everybody? I want to thank everybody who reached out to me about the last episode that I did with Dustin Living Good. I had a lot of great feedback on that episode and a lot of positive comments. And I just want to thank everybody who reached out. And uh, it was a very popular episode. It got a lot of downloads. But anyway, on to this episode. I have Heather Golnick on, and Heather Golnick has been in the endurance scene for a long time she's ran a bunch of Ironman and triathlons and was pro at one point and she tells us all about that and there was a couple of technical difficulties where we got disconnected once and then there was one time where the sound got messed up I tried to clean it up and uh hopefully you won't notice but uh, anyway here's the episode with Heather Golnick Heather Golnick how are you doing today I'm fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. Um, the pleasure is mine. I don't think I've ever had anybody on my show that has had such a huge endurance background. I was looking at your athletes, and you were doing Ironman and triathlons like back in, what, 92 or was it 96 or something like that? Oh, you're going to start off really aging me, aren't you? <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong. I'm 42, so you're what? You're 51, right? Yep, 52 in a month. (laughs) I mean, to me, that is just an awesome feat that you've been doing this so long and you're not like a lot of the other, like, you know, pro-tier athletes out there, you know, where they train for one big race. I mean, you're out there racing every other weekend, you know, looking at your athletes, and I think that is awesome, and I want to be like you in 10 years as well. Well, thanks so much. I just, I love, I love racing. I love endurance sports, whether it's, you know, Ironman or or Spartan races or OCR worlds or cross country skiing or trail running. You know, I've just always like really enjoyed um, being active and then competing. And like, I saw that you were a five time Ironman champion and like you're an author, a motivational speaker, and like a training coach, and you're going to have an OCR clinic this year, and you've got an OCR team. You've got a lot to tell us, and I want to fit, fit, I want to hear all of this, Heather. But for, I want to hear from like kind of like the beginning. I remember hearing an episode. I think you were on Link Endurance a long time ago. I can't remember their podcast. Is that right? Uh, possibly, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, I want to just find, what is your, like, where did you find, like, your competitive side in athletics? Where did that begin? That began at a young age in gymnastics. Uh, my mom had me in tons of sports just because I was had a lot of energy. Um, and I still do, even though I'm, you know, in my 50s, uh, very 
very grateful for that. That's awesome. Um, but I was I was a gymnast and I did gymnastics in high school and in college. And so, how did you transition from gymnastics to doing triathlons and kicking ass at it? <laughs> so I studied um, corporate fitness, um, little exercise science, and when I graduated college, I worked at General Electric Corporate Fitness Center, and they put on a triathlon as a corporate challenge, and we all either had to work it or do it, and a bunch of us were like, yeah, we're going to do it, cool. <laughs> and it was so much fun. We had no idea what we were doing, but it was a blast. And then a couple of us just like that summer did, you know, just some like all women laid back, easy, short triathlons. Um, but I got hooked and just started competing in triathlons. I really liked it. Um, but we wanted to start a family. And so we had kids and I still did triathlon, but never super, super serious. And our we had twins and they were premature. Mm. And long story short, we basically lived at the hospital for a year. And so oh, wow. while they tough. were, it was, it was very tough. <laughs> um, and I started like using training as my stress relief. Um, when the kids were home, we had nurses come over and, you know, they'd be like, okay, you go take a nap. I'm going to, you know, do the IV and do this. And mm. I would be like, I got to, I got to go out for a run or do something instead of taking a nap. <laughs> you know, so um, it, it became like my, my free time, my stress reliever. Um, and I've always just really enjoyed like, you know, Hey, I have this time to myself and I can think I can pray. I can sing, you know, whatever it is. And, um, I do enjoy training with other people a ton, but it's always just been something I've found so much, um, just, love for and when I come back from doing something I have more energy than when I went out the door and I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate to that sometimes it's hard to get yourself out the door but once you do I don't think most people ever regret like getting out the door to work out yeah I agree with you so when you were training for triathlons I mean to me I would I would assume that training for a triathlon is more work than training to do OCR. So how many hours a week were you training to prepare for these triathlons? Well, in the beginning, not that many because I was working at the corporate fitness center and had twins and, but eventually as time progressed and I progressed in the sport, I later um turned professional and so I raced as a professional traffic for 10 years wow and when it became my job was also amazing because I would take my kids to school and then I have all day to train and then I'd pick them up from school and so I really had that luxury of having the time which you know, I know there's a lot of OCR athletes that don't work and it's, you know, OCR is running and your grip strength and your cross training, um, training for a shorter triathlon, you could probably get away with, you know, 10 hours a week, but Ironman, because it's a, you know, eight hour event right. and that's if you're really fast, you know, it, it, they cut off 17 hours. Um, it just, it does take a lot of time and it's three sports. Like if you want to be good at three sports, so you got to commit a lot of time. Yeah, I mean, it it scares me to think about, you know, trying to train for one. And I know I'd have to put my ass in the pool for the most part to, 
get good at swimming better than any of it. <clears throat> so what was the hardest part of a triathlon for you to train for? I didn't grow up swimming. My mom had me in a ton of sports, but I wasn't a very good swimmer when I started triathlon. Mm. Uh, I actually turned professional as a duathlete um, first because it's run, bike, run. Right. And I was fairly good at that, but I really wanted to do Ironman. Um, Ironman was where the popularity of the sport was. It was where the sponsorship was. It was where the money was. And so... I had to learn how to swim, and so I took a lot of clinics and studied and worked on my technique, and um, that's probably why, like, teaching that to people is one of my favorite things, just because I knew <laughs> I didn't learn it as a young young person. When, when you learn to swim when you're seven, right. it's very you learn older. So you still teach people how to train for triathlon too, correct? Correct. So I am the head coach at Liberty University. So we have a men's and women's team. Um, we have about 24 athletes. Um, and then I work at Liberty in the athletic department uh, full time. So that's my full time job. Mm. Um, OCR is now my passion. So I did 37 Ironmans and raced as a pro for 10 years wow. and just, you know, got burnt out, kind of quit racing myself for a while and found OCR and just fell in love with it because it's so different. It's when you do a 10 K on the road, you can kind of compare your 10 K times and know how much you're improving. Um, and the same goes for triathlon, but for OCR, you, you, every course was different, you know, some yeah. were six, seven, some were eight, <laughs> depending on the terrain and the obstacles, you couldn't really have that like, this is my time. I have to beat it. And so that was kind of freeing as an athlete that was tied to that for 10 years. Um, so I really just enjoyed the different, um, the, the camaraderie in obstacle course racing is amazing. And I just fell in love with it. And so now, you know, coaching OCR, putting on camps, like that's just, that's, it's still like, it's, it's just my passion. Um, and it's like what I love doing now. Do I still compete in triathlon? Yes. Um, but OCR is kind of the, the fun part. <laughs> so I, I imagine it was probably a pretty easy transition to, uh, come from triathlon to OCR from the endurance standpoint. I mean, I'm sure you still had to learn all your technique and everything, but how did you find OCR? I mean, was it just something you just come across or did somebody like push you into it? Um, yeah, one of my, one of my friends, um, one of my college friends, um, Suzanne, in a sense, pushed me into it in the sense that she got um, on the NBC Spartan show and their team didn't have a captain. And she was like, you got to apply. You got to apply. I'm like, I've never done a Spartan race in my life. And, she was, <laughs> and it was the first season and they were looking for like athletes that maybe weren't necessarily Spartan racers. And long story short, got accepted, got on the show, did the show and then did my first Spartan race. <laughs> <laughs> What was your first race? Um, SoCal. Um, I believe it was SoCal, one of them in California. And I decided on like people's advice, like, oh, you should just run elite because, you know, I was a fairly good runner. Um, no clue with the obstacles, but everyone was like, well, you'll, you'll be able to do it. You're strong. <laughs> and we get there and we're at the venue. We're talking to people. And I'm like, yeah, this, that over here, you know, that doesn't really look that bad. And they're hmm. like, 
Um, that's the kids course. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little embarrassed. That's funny. <laughs> Needless to say, I think I did 180 some burpees my first race, um, and really didn't do that well. But I also saw that they, um, had the master's category and I was like, I can do that. Like, give me a couple months and I should be able to, you know, try to get on the podium and that kind of thing. So that was like motivation for me. And it was really just like, I was strong, but I had no grip strength. And so it was like, you know, how do you do monkey bars? Like everyone said, you could do these. You were a gymnast. I'm like, yeah, that was 25 years ago. Hmm. So it was just getting that, um, grip strength um and then once i got the grip strength and i had to learn how to throw a spear because it was never involved sports so um you know once i got some grip strength and um learned how to throw you know that kind of stuff um started doing well in the spartan races you know it's hard to try to train somebody how to throw the spear you know because everybody's kind of just got to find their own way to do it I mean you can give them suggestions but I just feel like everybody has to get comfortable and just find their own like muscle memory to it and the only way you're going to get good at throwing a spear is to throw the spear as much as possible <laughs> that was because I'm I was like you I didn't do any ball sports growing up so I mean it it it, it didn't come natural to me I had to throw a lot well, some people just don't know what they're doing wrong. So right. if your, you know, spouse or significant other isn't with you and you're in your backyard by yourself, like a lot of people just don't know. So they'll like my athletes, I coach for OCR will send me a video of them throwing. I'll be like, okay, well, did you notice you're letting go too early or you're letting go too late? So we'll play it in slow motion. I use um, an app called Coach's Eye that I use for analyzing swim stroke. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I play it in slow motion and you can like write on it like a football coach would write on the, you know, the tablet. Okay, your arm needs to go here, not here. And, you know, some people just are simply crossing over and they don't realize it. And so, you know, just even having the feedback, I think people can learn a lot quicker than if they don't have feedback. Right. And so you said that you do have an OCR team and you're having a clinic. Is, is this like what you do at those clinics? You, you know, go over with all of them about how to throw the spear and go through all the obstacles and stuff. Tell us about that. Yes. Yeah. It's so fun. So we, um, we moved to Virginia, uh, four or five years ago from Colorado and in Colorado, we put on a couple camps as well. Robert Killian came and, and did the camp with us and he was great. And, um, I've taken the Spartan SGX class and the Spartan obstacle specialty class. So I, so I have the certifications, but I think being a coach my whole life, um, gives me that, that, you know, advantage when it comes to coaching because, yeah, because I've been coaching, I understand that not every athlete, when you say this is this correction is it's not going to hit home, but if you phrase it a different way, it might hit home with that athlete. And so we have built, um, all the obstacles at my house. So working full time, you know, I don't have time to drive. Like there's an obstacle gym, but it's like an hour away, you know? So we have like this amazing, uh, facility you want to call it but it's outside at our house we have a whole platform that's turfed and you know seven lanes of obstacles we've got beater twister stairway you know four spot i mean all the fit bar strong you know stuff we've got um 
just a lot of the obstacles and a couple spear stations and a little course and um it's it's fun and then I love having people over to you know do some clinics and this year we're actually going to have a overnight camp um so we're really excited about that just to see you know how what the interest is like and how it goes that sounds cool so if anybody, while we're talking about this, if anybody wants to do this, like when is it and how do they sign up? Yeah, so we have um, our website is Iron Edge Coaching, um, but you, you find it through heathergonlick.us. So that's my coaching website for triathlon and running. And so OCR is in that. Um, but our, our OCR team is called um, just Iron Edge um, OCR. And um, we've got one camp the end of May, um, and that one's just going to be trail running. We live really close to the Appalachian Trail. Sweet. And so we'll do, that's amazing. So we'll do a little bit of focus on running, technique, cadence, that kind of stuff. And then we'll also um, do all the obstacles and, you know, spend some one-on-one time. And then we'll go through like obstacle simulation race and it'll be a blast. And then our later summer camp, we don't have the date finalized. And that one's going to be more OCR world champion focus so it's going to be harder obstacles harder you know a little bit more of an advanced camp um and we we don't have the date on that one um but super excited about it and people can message me too we um still have i think we have four spots left in our team um so we're going to have an ocr team and they're going to have their gear their hoodies and you know, all of, all of that, they'll get a training shirt and a hoodie and a team backpack and all that kind of stuff and, um, discount on camps. And we're really fortunate to have, um, secured some sponsors. So we have athletic brewing, who's going to give everyone a free case of beer and a 20% discount on future orders. And we have Fit Bar Strong, who has been one of my, uh, sponsors for a long time who will give people a discount on their training tools and we have VJ shoes who is going to give a discount on VJ shoes and we're working on some additional sponsors so we're uh, super excited about that and the idea is just to like not only help the athletes take their racing to the next level but also highlight them and so you know, we're going to have a website and we're going to have each athlete's like photo and bio and race schedule and, you know, on our team website and be able to highlight them, but then also the camaraderie that they'll build between all of them. And so we'll be focusing mostly on Spartan and OCR world champs, but we'll probably do a couple of savage races and maybe some other, you know, races as well, but we'll have a couple like team events. So, we know that we're going to have like a team dinner, you know, before OCR world champs and we'll pick a couple Spartan races where everyone's going to be and that kind of stuff. So, so what does somebody have to do to get on your team? You said you had some spots open. So we have an application. Yeah. So if they, if they message me on Instagram, um, I will email them an application. Oh, cool. So do you do like, like, you know, one-on-one personal training too as well, like for people that don't live close by, like if they want to do like run training or anything like that or workouts, do you prescribe that too? 
Yes. So we do, um, the main thing we do is online coaching. Mm -hmm. And so building people's um, basically weekly schedule. And so every athlete's very different, whether they, you know, their work schedule and their life schedule. And so basically it's getting, we do a big intake form. So getting to know their schedule and their goals and their injuries and their schedule. And um, like you were saying, you know, like, oh, you know, you know, family comes first. And if you have something going on, we're going to work around that. So your long run this week, because you've got a birthday party this weekend, and you've got church Sunday, you're going to do this on Wednesday, you know, and so it's very much working around people's schedule, but we focus a lot on whatever their weakness is. So a lot of people come to us and they're, they're not runners. So let's look at your technique and, you know, we'll just do video and we'll do, you know, looking at them, we'll do drills together and work on their cadence. And um, surprisingly with the technology we have today, it works really well to coach somebody and they live in a, you know, the other side of the United States. Um, and then we, it's very interactive though, because the program we use, they get their workout sent to them, but then every time they log in and they log about their workout, if they comment like, Oh, I did this run and it went great, except my left knee was hurting and I've never had this before. You know, I will email back like, okay, try foam rolling. Like, Oh, that kills. I'm like, okay, your IT band's tight, which is pulling on your knee. And so, you know, it's, it's, um, it's fun for me because I just get to share everything I've learned over the last 30 years of, of coaching athletes. And so whether somebody comes to us that really needs help with their grip strength and we prescribe a ton of, you know, grip workouts and combination workouts as long and along with their running workouts. And, um, for me, I just enjoy it. Um, I like helping people get to be better athletes. So, so is that like all included? Like if somebody like signs up, you'll do like the run programming and like give them workouts for their grip and everything. So that's like an all inclusive, like OCR training deal. Yes. Yep. Oh, that's pretty cool. And all of that, all of that's on the heathergolnick.us. You'll, if they go to the website, there's just different tabs and one of them is, you know, triathlon training. So don't click that one, click OCR training. Okay. <laughs> I, I played around on the website a little bit, but I didn't go through all the facets of it. So I have to go back and check that out. It sounds pretty cool. I did see that you were a, motion, a motivational speaker. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I started doing more motivational speaking after I wrote the book. Um, and so the book is called Trathlete DQ, but it's very much could be any sport. So I've talked into, you know, football teams and basketball teams and corporate you know, talks where it's basically motivational. Um, but the book is talking about emotional intelligence where we really understand how we deal with what we think and how what we think, especially when we're competing, affects the outcome of how well we do. And with a lot of my athletes, we'll talk about how your thoughts, you know, your thoughts are so powerful and they can spiral up or down really, really quick. And so, you know, what are you saying to yourself when it's cold and it's muddy and that you're either like, you either embrace it and you talk positive, like these conditions are harsh, but I feel amazing and I'm so tough. Or you can be like, these conditions are harsh and I'm so soft and this stinks and uh -huh. <laughs> you know, it, it's just a downward spiral. And so um, I work with athletes a lot on the mental side. And I have athletes that I don't even coach that just come to me for the mental part of it. 
Um, because if you could be the best athlete ever, but if you can't perform on race day because of anxiety or nerves or, you know, whatever, um, you're not going to be able to be at your full potential. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so started doing a lot. I don't do as much speaking as I used to, um, but really enjoy that as well. So I understand that you were also like, you know, you were in a bad bike wreck, like you were on your bike and you got hit by a car last year. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, the dangers of going out on the road, um, with, yeah, I mean, honestly, in the last 10 years, the amount of bike car accidents has escalated since iPhones and people are on their phones. And I was on a back country road, not many cars and a Mm. teenager was on his phone and wasn't paying attention. And I was really, really fortunate because I landed in a ditch, which at least was soft, but he, he hit me pretty hard. I like broke my leg where the car, his SUV hit me, like hit my, I, you know, the bike is in pieces. So, um, I was fortunate that I recovered well from it. Um, it was, it was difficult. Um, but you know, every athlete deals with injuries and, um, I definitely think just all the stuff I've been through also helps you put in perspective when you're injured and how to overcome it. Right. Did it leave you like with, I mean, going through like the rehab of everything, did it leave you with like some nagging pains and whatever? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, where, yeah. Um, you know, uh, it's one of those, I still, I still feel it (laughs) certain Mm -hmm. times. Um, but again, I was, I was very lucky, um, in the sense that, you know, when you get hit by a car, it can be pretty serious. I mean, you were, you were, you were probably definitely lucky. Did the guy, did he stop? What did he say? He did stop and he was super nice, but he was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I wasn't paying attention, but the shitty part of the whole thing was he didn't have insurance and his father didn't have insurance and it's a law in Virginia to have insurance. So, um, you know, he, I think all that happened was he got a ticket. (laughs) Um, so that was, that was the hardest part was going through that part of it, trying to figure out the insurance and, you know, dealing with that part. Um, but thankfully my husband helped with a lot of that and we had a company called, um, bike law that specializes in um, basically helping athletes that have gotten hit by a car, and they are amazing. So um, her name's Rachel, and, like, literally, we would not have gotten through it in one piece sanely without them. So they were godsend. So anybody, if you get get hit by a car or you know someone, send them over to Bike Law. I've never even heard of that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So I know that, like, Heather, every time I cross paths with you at a race, you just always seem like you're you're having your best day. And that's one thing that I love about you is you've always got a great attitude. It doesn't matter what's going on. If you were having a bad day, I don't think anybody would be able to notice. My husband will. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not around you all the time, but... <laughs> no, but thank you, and I, I appreciate that. And that is honestly like how I try to live my life now am I always good at it no but really just try to try to live life like that like you know 
this could be your last day. So enjoy it, even if it's cloudy and raining. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, I definitely have always been like that. My mom's like that. Um, and my dad. Um, but I think even just as you age, you just even appreciate things more. I mean, and I mean, and since you since you brought up your age, like, what do you think is it has, um, like, what do you think it is that you've done in your training or, you know, the way you live that's enabled you to be able, you know, to race like as much as you do and not get injured and out, you know, I mean. I, th- I mean, I know, didn't you, you, you twisted an ankle like uh, a couple of years ago too, didn't you? But I mean, you're relatively on your game and, you know, you race a lot. And I just think that's awesome, you know, for, I'm hoping I'll be able to do that too when I'm in my fifties, you know, I want to keep racing like this. And I'm just wondering what's your secrets to been, you know, racing competitively as long as you have. For me, I think it's about recovery and just like being really smart with that and listening to your body. I think type, we're all pretty much type A and we just want to go, go, go. And so when you have to stop is usually when you don't want to stop. So when, when you have something that's like a minor injury, just backing off, if you give it a few days, knowing that it could heal in a week versus pushing through it, then it becomes a three week thing or a four week thing. Um, try to be smart with that. I try to be really good with my nutrition and my supplements. Um, I use, um, a company called NG nutrition and they make phenomenal like protein and collagen and recovery products. And that's been a game changer for me. Um, it was funny. I, I posted, I think it was today. I've been under the weather a little bit and I was getting out my recovery powder and you know, it's like, why are you taking that? Like, you didn't even work out today. And I'm like, no, but this is going to help me feel better. Right. So, um, so just kind of knowing like how to be smart and then getting enough sleep and, you know, foam rolling and stretching and Epsom salt baths and ice baths when needed. And just being like really diligent about all of that. Um, you know, I, I know athletes are like, I don't stretch. And I'm like, well, that's not going to be good when you're 50 because you can barely tie your shoes standing up now. You're not going to be able to, when you're 30, <laughs> you're going to be those people that have to sit down to put your shoes on if you don't start stretching. <laughs> so, you know, like even, as little as, <laughs> even the little <laughs> as this sounds is like, I know people that can't stand on one foot and close their eyes without mm-hmm. falling over. And I'm like, but you go do an ultra. So maybe you should spend three minutes standing on one foot, close your eyes, like do it while you brush your teeth and work on your, you know, balance, you know, because then you're less likely to, you know, roll your ankle or get aches and pains and that kind of thing. And so, um, big on like mobility type activities, um, not just always training hard. And probably the other thing is, especially something I try to teach my triathletes is, easy means easy so when we go easy i mean really easy like you barely feel like you're running or biking and then when you go hard you go really hard and i know a lot of athletes train in the gray zone all the time they're never going super hard and they're never going super easy Mm -hmm. they're just out there grinding every day instead of hitting the the hard workouts but if you work out too hard the day before you can't hit that hard workout and so i think that's probably one thing 
um, if somebody works out hard and then they try to hit that hard workout, then that's maybe where they're getting fatigued or injured as well. So if somebody was training for like a beast distance or the ultra distance or just, you know, kind of like me, I want to do all the distances all year round and I don't want to like be the best of the best, but I just want to be able to go and do the best that I can and, you know, be able to enjoy as many races as I can, kind of like you do. So if, if you were going to program training for me, or I guess like, what is your philosophy on like a week's worth of training? Like how many days would you prescribe of go really hard and go really easy? Well, that's why we do the assessment form because mm. every athlete's different. And so you may recover great and be able to do two and somebody else may recover slower and be able to do one. Um, some athletes will do speed work and tempo. Some athletes will do, you know, so it depends on a lot of factors. So is the person injury prone? How old is the person? What is their background? People that come to us that ran in high school and college and, you know, are runners, completely different amount of volume that they can handle if they were, let's say, you know, after college, they were running 80, 80 mile weeks, there's going to look completely different than someone that is a couch to 5k. And now they want to do beast and ultra. Hmm. So it really is individual. Um, I would say that out of everyone we coach, like no one's training plan looks the same. Um, they might have similarities, um, but every athlete's a little bit different. Right. So when you prescribe uh, like a training week, is is there workouts based off of like heart rate or is like your lower end stuff on the heart rates and the hard workouts on pace? And again, every athlete's different. different. Um, I have some athletes that don't like heart rate or, you know, only go on pace. And um, sometimes we'll have athletes do a combination. So maybe when they're doing a hard workout on the treadmill, they're zeroed in on that pace because it's right there in front of you. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe the next day they're working on technique and cadence and they're running easy. Um, A lot of times if it's a long run, you know, we'll go on mileage or time. Right. So, yeah, every session's a little, little different that way. Um, but I get to know the athlete and you know, like, oh, this athlete likes it when it's based on time or they like it when it's based on mileage or they want it based on heart rate or power, or, you know. And so you you learn the athletes as well. And that's what um, I think there's a lot of great individual coaching out there, but there's also a lot of really bad individual coaching out there that isn't actually individual like you know it's basically a cookie a cutter program that right. yeah and and that's hard like you know sometimes I get particularly triathletes that you know come to me and they're like I was doing this program I'm like oh yeah I've, I've seen that program in this book <laughs> you, know? <laughs> and, you know so when it's not tailored to the person they're going to get something out of it but not as much as when it's tailored to them mm-hmm. and that just depends on the person's goals like you know some people you know are just more weekend warriors and they don't want that or need that that individual coaching um, because there's a cost obviously associated with it. Um, And other athletes, um, you know, are really thrive getting that individual attention. And I've got a a triathlete I've been working with close to nine years and I've got new people. And sometimes they work with you a few years and they, you know, gain a lot of your knowledge and they, you know, don't need a coach anymore. Um, And so it just kind of depends on the person. That's cool. I think it speaks for, um, you know, the type of coach that you are, that you individualize it. And that, that, that speaks a lot, you know, because 
you know, I think I feel like, you know, a lot of people that are getting coaching programs out there are getting like, you know, here's your workout and it's pretty cut and dry and not as individualized as it should be, especially if you're, you know, paying a lot of money for it too as well. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so how many OCR races have you ran? Do you know? It's it's a lot. Yeah, it's over 100. Right. I think it's right around 100. Oh, this, no, that's actually just the Spartan ones. Right. Um, so, yeah, quite a few. And so you started running in 2015, 2016, is that right? Somewhere around there? Yeah, I think so. And weren't you on the pro team with Spartan for a while, too? Yeah, actually, the last couple years. Um, started out right away with them after my first year of racing. I was really fortunate. You know, there was only, like, I think 16 of us. Um, and that was partly because they had the master's category and, right. um, you know, was doing, you know, well in that. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was it was really really something you know it was fun when we all traveled together and raced together and um you know still friends with a lot of those athletes and you know it's fun to just see how 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 they're improving and just the amount of like incredible women runners that are coming into the sport um Mm. has been fun to see yeah i think it was better when spartan when they had the team a little bit smaller because what was it 2019 where they had like over a hundred people on the pro team, you know? And, but, you know, since you've been around for a long time and, you know, I'm curious, how do you feel about the direction that Spartans going with like their age group category and the, this year, you know, they have their own elite series and they have their, own age group series because i know that now that you run age group sometimes and you run elite sometimes i'm just wondering like what's your take on how spartans handling things this year (laughs) okay so (laughs) my my response would be it's interesting and so i think long term it's gonna be great um i think right now the transitional phase is always hard. And so I feel for the people that are my friends that are elites or athletes I coach that are elites and already had their reservations for Jacksonville and then they changed it. You, yeah, know? That was, so that's, that was you know, that's hard on athletes and just the amount of athletes, um, you know, that maybe didn't get tier three that thought they would have. And so I think, Next year will be better because now everyone knows what they need to do to to be tier one, two or three. I have an athlete who probably just missed tier three because she, I think she placed, you have to be like, okay, you have to win three races or you have to be top three at six local races. You know, there's different standards now, Yeah, but they didn't put those out at the beginning of the year. So she was like, Oh, had I done one more race and done well, like could have gone to Florida. Like I was there at the end of the year, you know, I think there was six elites, you know? Um, and, and she, she would have beat me. Like she would have landed on the podium and, you know, then been tier three. And so I think that was hard for athletes just because it wasn't defined before the season started. But I think going forward, if they stick with it and it's defined, this is what you need to do to be tier one, two or three and be on the pro team. Then it's, it's a, you know, level playing field and everyone knows what they need to do. 
Yeah, on, I think. Yeah, because they had Jack Bauer was on Obstacle Racing Media with Steve Hammond, and they kind of went over how they they pick and choose, you know, all the tiers and everything. And he explained it, you know, how it worked out, and it made sense, you know, when he was saying it, and how if they, you know, if they keep that system, and that system is the same every year. You know, it, it, it'll be a fair system. And it, and it sounded fair. It did. Yeah. And I think it's good because there's, I'll be honest, there were certain guys. Um, I have a guy that I coach that hands down, he should have been on the pro team. And then I know people that maybe weren't as competitive that were on the pro team because, you know, they were friends with somebody and they knew somebody. And so this will be good because it's basically just based on results, not on anything else. Um, and so I think in the long term that'll be very good for the sport. Mm-hmm. And if they take the age group like seriously and they promote it and they're giving the age groupers, you know, coverage on social media, like that'll be great for the age groupers too. Like what age grouper won't love that? Um, right. I'll be honest, like so after my injury, um, I started racing age group because I just there was no way I was gonna start with the elites and be like left in the dust after 10 seconds so uh probably my weakness as a runner is I just don't have the speed at 50 plus years old but I have a lot of endurance still and so I just can't start out fast but I'm like I don't want to be all by myself especially with six girls I'll be by myself after two minutes um so I ran in the age group and it was so much fun like so many people and like you're going back and forth with the guys and the girls. And so I really enjoyed it. So I, I kept doing it. Um, I know my friend until, Annie, she enjoys running with you in the age group. She's awesome. <laughs> she yeah, is. So it's just fun. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited to race the, the series and I'm going to do Jacksonville. I'm going to do San Luis Obispo and then probably Asheville. And I think it's very smart that for age groupers, you do three out of five, four or five would have been way too much, especially since they're all over and you have to travel. Right. So not every age grouper, you know, there's a few out there that maybe don't work and go to every race and travel everywhere. Um, but not every age grouper can travel to four or five races. So I think three out of five is, is smart. Um, so I was happy to see that as well. Yep, I wonder if they're going to have it at, you know, at the Black Mountain Asheville course, or if they're going to keep it at the Tryon International Horse Park Asheville course, you know, that they did it last year. Hmm. Did you run yeah. it last year? I did not. I was um, still in crutches. Oh. So they didn't, but you've done Asheville before though, right? I have, yeah. Right. So it's been in Black Mountain in previous years, and I guess there was, I think I heard that somebody else bought that rock quarry, and they changed the venues, and I don't know if it was because of that, but they had it at the Tryon International Horse Park, which is a good, it's a good park, but, you know, we went back there in November and had a beast there, so I mean, it was like a course we did twice, so, I mean, I love that course, it's an awesome venue, but... You know, so was Asheville, and I hate to miss that one, too. So I would rather it be at the old Asheville course myself. Oh, me too. And that'll be, it'll be much harder of a race because of the hills and the technical course. It does say, when you look at the series information, 
and they break it down, it, it's you know it doesn't say what venue it's at yet. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of venues that don't have. It doesn't say where it's at yet, too. Like I think West Virginia. Yeah. It doesn't say where West Virginia is going to be at yet. So. Oh yeah, I wonder if it's not the same spot. Man, I hope so. That's that venue's awesome. I love that venue. Yeah, me too. So, you know they, but they come out and they announced we're not going to pay have cash payout at elite races and on the Spartan Zen desk, it actually says that they were going to not have as many, or they were going to take away select elite heats, you know, and, you know, people were upset about that because I was under the impression that there was not going to be an elite heat at the venue at all for some races. But I saw where somebody on the ultra page had messaged Spartan support and they said, no, there's going to be an elite race at all venues. They're just not going to be a cash payout. They're going to get some kind of prize reward instead of money or whatever. So I actually think that that's what they should do. If you Yeah. Know, and I just think in the transition of everything, there was a lot of, oh, we're doing this, oh, we're not doing it, oh, we're doing that, you right. know, and, you know, now that it's in writing, I think it's good. <laughs> yeah, and, I, oh, absolutely, but, I mean, I still feel like, I mean, it's not clear, but, I mean, the, all the elite waves are still on the website, so I would feel like, you know, that's the direction they are going, and if they, if they're determined to keep the age group and elite as two separate entities, I feel like, you know, it's probably better if there is an elite and an age group race at every venue. I'm for combining them and doing it like Savage does, but I don't foresee them doing that anytime soon since they just announced age group having its own series, which I think is cool too. Yeah. I think it's neat that there'll be an age group series. Um, we were speculating how that came about. I think a lot of the venues were already locked in and, like maybe paying Spartan because they were mm. bringing an event there and promised a series. So it was like, okay, we're going to make this age group series because we have all these other venues that want us to. So, yeah, it, I mean, I'm speculating, but it um, makes me curious what they're going to do at Tahoe this year, you know, because I'm from what I understand, Tahoe is always a, a big paying venue. It just makes me wonder if they're going to have the ultra world championships at Tahoe. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking, too. Because I don't think... I think Telluride was a little harder and more expensive for people to get to, and it wasn't... It. I don't think it brought in the people that they were expecting it to. Or not as many as they wanted, anyway. Yeah. And a lot of people do enjoy going to Tahoe. I don't know if I could handle doing a 24-hour ultra race in uh, 2019 conditions so there. That would be awful. <laughs> yeah <laughs> did you race tahoe that year i was there watching that was the year so you you had said i sprained my ankle i actually broke my ankle mm. on a fire jump i like did this funky little sidekick and came down literally my ankle the the photographer caught the photo literally my ankle was like completely sideways and i landed on it and so I showed my doctor. I'm like, oh, this is what I did. He was like, 
holy crap, and what the heck are you doing? <laughs> jumping, <laughs> like, over I'm fire. jumping over some fire. <laughs> He's like, oh boy. <laughs> uh, and you know, and, and this is the way I feel at my age. You know, I can go and run these Spartan races, run. I've, I've done an ultra in a trifecta weekend and done the super and the sprint the next day, come away from it. Yeah, my body is sore, but I make it through the work week and I'm okay. But, you know, one day I can just drive home from work, get out of my car and just get out of my car the wrong way and just pull my back. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, it's just... I guess you get in this relaxed motion and you're not alert and you just do something unexpected. You know, I, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> no, but that, that happens when you're yeah. with your body's alter. Yeah. It's <laughs> like you make a wrong step and you're like, ow, that hurt my foot, but I can run down a mountain for 30 miles and not have any issues at all. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I go run the Appalachian trail, um, when, when I can, and mm. I go do a 18 mile run and feel amazing get in the car, drive home, and then I get out, and I'm walking like I'm crippled. <laughs> I'm like, weren't you just running? I'm like, yeah, I just, like, you stiffen up in those, you know, 20 minutes on the way home, and then I, you know, take an ice bath or do whatever and stretch and roll, and then I'm fine, but it is funny how, like, you get out of the car and you're basically crippled. I'm so jealous you live close to the Appalachian Trail. That's the only thing. I, I love living in South Georgia. I, I actually work for the hospital that I was born in. That's how Southern I am. But I just, I like living in the South, but the only thing about the South is, is even if there is a trail, it is flat and boring as it can be. And, you know, every year we go on vacation in the Smokies, and that was where we was at last week, and we just... Every day we hit hiking trails, and I love it. I love it. I wish I lived closer uh, to some elevated trails for sure. Yeah, that's awesome, though. The Smokies are awesome. Yeah, I wish I could get a cabin up there and live rich for the rest of my life. It'd be <laughs> awesome. Waiting for my lottery numbers to come in, but it's not happening. So, <laughs> just gonna have to keep grinding. <laughs> So uh, you went to Abu Dhabi and raced out there, and you placed third in your age group there, too. Tell us about how that went. I thought the venue was amazing. I loved every second of it. Um, but I also, like, you know, had it in perspective. Now, would I go sleep in a tent at the same venue again? No. <laughs> um, because I didn't sleep for three days. That was my um, next question. Did yeah, you camp nobody, there too? Nobody slept that camp there. Um, the people that didn't camp there and slept off site were smarter. Um, but it was part of the whole experience. Like, you know, when we got there and you're like, oh, I guess my big suitcase that rolls is not rolling well in the sand. And our tent was literally a half mile up the hill in the sand, <laughs> you know? You need like we, one of those kind of... wagons that you bring all your stuff on the beach with? <laughs> <laughs> no, we needed that. So um, it was all, that was all hilarious in the sense that it was just kind of, um, uh, <laughs> it was what it was, but it was, it was really cool. It just wasn't, what you do typically before a race right. stay up you know late and you know you're sweating in bed and then you're dehydrated for your race and um but it's such a cool area and like running in the sand like it was just different and it was hard and i loved it i will go back this year hmm. um and i hope to do better than third and 
um, you know, if it's a different venue in Abu Dhabi, that'll be great. I feel like it would be better if they could get a venue that was closer to hotels. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, that's their goal. So the goal is to move it closer to like the city and, I'm not sure where that'll be. Um, if you go to the beach, you know, you don't have the variety of terrain like they right. did. So it'll be interesting where they find. Um, but I raced a triathlon in Abu Dhabi uh, maybe 10 years ago. And it was fun to see just how much it's grown. And um, the people there are so nice. Like, you think when you're going to a foreign country, like, oh, do I have to watch out? Like, they are so polite and so nice. You feel so safe. Like, I have a lot of people like, oh, is it safe? And I'm like, yeah, it's, it feels safer there than a lot of places here. Um, See, so, now, I have, no, I have no understanding of that at all because I'm, I'm, I guess, kind of like a sheltered traveler. Like, I, oh, all my travel has been because I've flown to Spartan races, you know. So, I mean, before I started doing Spartan races, I pretty much just stayed in Georgia. I would go to the mountains in Tennessee in the winter, and I'd go to the beach in Florida. And, you know, maybe every once in a while I might go out of those three states, you know, North Carolina or South Carolina. I've always just been in the southeast until I started doing Spartan races. And so I just, you know, you, you watch TV and, like, you just think that, you know, oh, here's some more American tourists coming to our city. You know, that's why I, I, that's my impression. I think I would feel like they, they would, you know, think when you come to the, like, you know, different countries. <laughs> yeah, no. And it, I, I mean, honestly, if anyone's, if anyone's listening to this, uh, how about all the listeners? <laughs> um, you know, if you're thinking about going, I would go like, what a great experience. Like if you love Spartan racing and you love traveling, like, it'd be a great thing to put on your list. Um, you know, and if you can't, you know, afford that, then, you know, where else can you travel and, and do a race? Like I love traveling and experiences. Like I'm definitely not a, um, you know, I'd, I'd rather spend my money on oh, yeah. travel experiences than material things. Yeah, me too. So, um, just in, enjoy traveling. Always have. Yeah. <laughs> I've been, I've been around the world you know, for, for triathlon from Chile to Hawaii to Switzerland to France to Austria. So I like to travel. But it's funny. I hate to fly. Oh, I'm really? petrified. <laughs> My friends are always like, like, I have to sit by someone I know because I'm going to have to hold their hand. Um, thankfully, I traveled with Emmy Cross and she held my hand when it was like bumpy. <laughs> and so it's funny because I travel a lot, but I just, I don't like to. I don't like flying, but I'm not going to not do it because then I would miss out on all these experiences. My girlfriend's like that too. I, I don't have a problem. You know, I think my longest flight I've ever done has been like maybe four hours or three or four hours and that's okay. But when you're going across seas, isn't it like eight or 10 hours? I mean, I would probably get a little steer crazy before we landed for sure. But, you know, and I've, and you talk about how the people were great there. I've also heard that, like, it, you know, at Sparta, Greece, when they have the Trifecta World Championships, I've heard that they're very welcoming there, too. And that's a, that's a race that I've also wanted to do, too. Or that's on my list, too. <laughs> and, and I, There's a really bunch cool. of them on my list. Like, I want to do Hawaii, but I'll never be able to do it because it's the first week of the college 
students come back. Oh. And so it's like, well, I can't really not be there when the first week of school. And so there's certain races that unless they change the date and make it earlier in August. So I'll, I'll go where I can go. Right. That's me. I pretty much, I try to just, I try to affordably go to as many races as possible every year. <laughs> That's my goal. What's your, what's your first one going to be this year? Uh, it will be Conyers or the Atlanta race, they call it Okay. in March. And then I'll do Charlotte and New Jersey and then whatever else is close. It's pretty much the same thing I did last year, except I'm not doing Palm Beach. I'm going to New Jersey instead. Probably do Palmerton again, West Virginia, Asheville, probably Nashville. You know, and they, they used to, you know, Atlanta was in October last year, so I'm hoping they'll do a, they'll come back and say they'll do another Atlanta race. I wish they'd go back to Lake Lanier and do one. That is such a fun race at Lake Lanier when they do it. Oh, that was amazing. Wasn't it? Um, I don't think they're going back there. We're actually going there. The USA Triathlon Collegiate National Championships is in Lake Lanier this year. Um, And I know that because my husband's the race director and I'm taking my team. But I partly knew of that venue from the Spartan race. And I was like, that would be a great venue. You should check that out. That is an awesome venue, man, for a race. So that'll be fun for you. Yeah, it will be. I imagine you have some crazy stories from all these different countries and all these different races that you've done. So what's been like the wildest like race story that you that you have that you can think of? Just the weirdest or the craziest thing that ever happened in a race that you've done? Well, my favorite race venue and for before for racing is Pucan, Chile, which is this remote tourist town in Chile. The race starts on the beach of this amazing hotel with this crystal clear water. It's amazing. But the really fun part is the day after the race, everybody goes and climbs this volcano and you use these like axes and like it's snow when you have to like climate (laughs) the whole group goes and does it and it's hilarious because some people are you know quite sore from the day before (laughs) it's just like the the neatest experience where you're like yeah i'm gonna go do this half iron man but i have to climb a volcano the next day (laughs) so Mm. uh, that's pretty cool that's wild all right, Heather, we're getting close to an hour here, and I usually always ask some everybody that comes on the show the same questions. And so um, what? Uh, my first question is, is to this day, what has been your favorite race and why? Uh, like all, all, all races or Spartan races? All races. You can give me one of each. You can give me one OCR race and one triathlon race. I won't penalize so, you for it. My favorite OCR race is OCR Worlds, and that is because I like the uniqueness of all the obstacles. Um, I just think they do a phenomenal job with, you know, bringing in all the different companies and the different obstacles, and uh, I like that versus, like, the same obstacles every race. Um, So that would be my favorite obstacle race, and my favorite um, triathlon would be Ironman Madison and that one just holds a special place in my heart because that was my first Ironman I won 
but uh, we lived in Wisconsin at the time, so I was like the local hero, you know, so that was always fun. I bet that was cool. You're probably in all the newspapers and everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that it was, was cool. it was fun, and you know, like living close, you go ride the course all the time, and I, I probably was involved in the race for a good, you know, several years after I won, would go back and you know, speak the day before and different stuff. So, um, that was always just a, a fun, fun venue. So, so you're probably like a celebrity in the triathlon, you know, sport, right? <laughs> oh, I don't know if you're the celebrity is the right <laughs> word, but. <laughs> so to this day, what has been the race that you disliked the most and why? I don't think there's ever been a race I've disliked. Well, you got to give me an answer. There's got to be one. Okay. So I'm trying to think. Or maybe it was a race you performed poorly and you expected a better result. How about that? So the one time out of 37, 38 Ironmans, I've done, I've finished 37 Ironmans. The one time I started one and didn't finish, that will always haunt me. And I, I've had injuries that are walkable. So I, you know, finish the swim bike and you start running and your knee hurts and you're like, I got to be smart. And you walk the whole marathon, but you finish, you -hmm. still feel really proud that you hung in and you finished. One time I had something and I could have walked and I didn't. And I regretted that. And that was um, an Ironman in Canada many, many years ago. Um, You know, that I didn't just say, I'm going to walk this. So what happened? Did you get like a nagging pain or something like that? And you just decided. Yeah, I had some it. back issues going on. And when you're in the aero bar, you're bent over and, you mm. know, my back flared up on the bike and started running and it was just hurting me a lot. And I was like, okay, I got to be smart, but it didn't hurt walking. So I should have just walked. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I, I always tell myself that too, because. I raced a 50k a couple of years ago and I was I was ready to quit. It was raining, it was super cold and I have Raynalds in my hands and my my gloves got wet so my hands got really cold and I was about to quit and there wasn't but like 5 miles. I was at like the last transition and my girlfriend talked me out of it and she went and got another pair of gloves out of the car and so I was able to finish, but I just knew after I finished that race that if I would not have finished it, I would have it would have always been a regret, you know, and I'd have wanted to go back to the race and finish it again. But since I ended up finishing it, I don't want to go back to it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, good for you for finishing. Yeah. I mean, it was just one of those trail races that I just decided I was trying to get, I, I went out too hot and I'd change the setting on my watch where it would only show like pace and average pace. And so like the whole time I was looking at it, I wasn't, it was so dumb. I was reading average pace and I was thinking it was my pace. And so I know I was running faster than I should have been. And I just blew up. My hands got cold. I got frustrated. I walked a couple of miles. My hamstrings were bothering me and I was just freaking cold. I ain't never been so cold at a race (laughs) and raining the whole time. Okay. So my next question is, is, It's a race weekend, 
how do you prepare for it? Like, what are you doing Friday night? What are you eating? What are you doing Saturday morning before the race? And if you're going to run Sunday, do you do anything after the race Saturday in order to prepare for the race on Sunday? What's your secrets? So I eat very, very plain. So no spicy foods, no, nothing, nothing I wouldn't typically eat, but even extra plain, um, something that people find unusual is no, no vegetables the day before. And so a lot of vegetables are super high in fiber, which is if you're doing like a longer race, like a beast or something, I will, I know my digestive system, I'll have to stop during the race to use the border John and I don't want to have to stop. Right. And so I won't even do, you know, I love salad, but I won't do it the day before. And that's where, you know, everyone's different. I know friends that'll have this massive salad the night before. Um, I get up extra early. I don't like to be rushed. I don't like to be late. I like to be one of the first ones there. Um, You know, just making sure that I, you know, do all of the foam rolling and stretching and activation. You know, I'm up early doing my glute band exercises, making sure my glutes are activated, just all the like mobility stuff I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I get up early and do it before a race because um, I know it's going to help me perform better. And um, after the race, I will take an ice bath, even if I'm not racing the next day, most of the time. Uh, but especially if I'm racing again the next day. So, and I think the biggest thing is like, everybody feels like crap the next day. Mm-hmm. And so I like to get there. All right. So, sorry about the phone trouble there, Heather. Uh, so I, a couple more questions I got. So what are what are your plans for the 2022 uh, season? Race as much as I can. <laughs> hey, your <laughs> plan's the same that, as mine. Well, that sounds funny, but I... I wasn't ready to take a break because I just started racing. Um, so I have some trail runs. I have lots of Spartan races. I have a couple of triathlons, an Olympic, a half Ironman. And so I'm just excited to race. Like I, like I said, I just, I like racing. I like the competition. I like pushing myself. Um, so I love all my friends I see at the races and the travel. So um, I plan to go a lot. So you yourself, how do you train specifically for these races? Like, do you have just a, like a couple of A races that you kind of like back off a little bit before you come to that? Or is it just like you try to do the best you can at every race you go to? Oh, no, you have to have peaks. You have to peak for certain races and you know that you can't peak, you know, you can't be in peak shape all the time. And so you pick, you pick what your, your goal races are. For me, my goal races where I'll do like an actual taper will be one of my half Ironmans. It'll be OCR worlds. It'll be Spartan world championships. So the big events I will like take more serious and taper and, you know, not race through training. Right. So how, so how many weeks will you give before, you know, like the rate, your a races or whatever, will you go like a few weeks without a race? Um, yeah, unless it's a training race. So sometimes like world championships, like let's say that's, you know, the first weekend of December, um, November, I just may race like one time, but I love the Carolina race and it's, 
kind of close. So then how do you do it? Do you, do you race, you know, the whole trifecta weekend or do you just pick one? Um, so it's kind of just like looking at how many days in between and how I'm recovering. And I won't make that decision until I know how my body feels in November. So I haven't had any injuries and no aches and pains and I'm mentally fresh or, Hey, I've had a, B, and C happen, so I'm I'm going to skip it, or I'm just going to do the super there, or, you know, and so you have a plan, but you also have the plan in pencil because things change, life right. happens, your body reacts, and so um, I have my, my plan in pencil because I know things change, and I think, I think that's one thing athletes, like, put their plan in pen, and when things change, it it's really hard to to mentally adjust instead of like knowing that life happens and you know right. you're gonna you're gonna probably get sick one time this year and yeah it might be before a race so how do you how do you navigate that and I think that's all like perspective and balance in racing and like knowing why you do it um and knowing also that missing a weekend isn't gonna affect your your life you're gonna you know I had some serious FOMO this, this summer when all my friends were racing, but I also knew that I would eventually be back. Mm. Right. So out of all the races you've done, I'm, I was, I'm assuming that you have your racing fuel strategy like down pat. So what is your fueling strategy for an OCR race, like a beast, for instance? So I get up early. I like to eat fairly early. And I must clarify, um, sometimes I'm nervous and I have trouble eating and that's, that happens even after however many years I've been racing 30 years. So the bigger events, sometimes I do get nervous and it's like hard to, to get the food down. So getting up early, having time to just kind of slowly eat, I can't just sit down and have like a bagel and you know, almond butter, like I need to like kind of slowly eat it, especially like we're up so early. We're not, I'm not used to eating that much at four in the morning. So, um, I get up early. I kind of, I have a gluten-free bagel with almond butter and a banana and usually some NG nutrition products. Um, some, uh, they have a hydro IV that I'll use to get hydrated. And then I always have a honey stinger gel like 30 minutes before the event. And then for a beast, I would be carrying um, probably three 100-calorie packets and then some chews that are another 200. Um, I tend to burn calories pretty quick, especially if it's cold. I burn calories a lot quicker. And so the colder races, I'll actually carry a little more. Um, And then main thing if you're racing that next day is getting that recovery fluid in like within 30 minutes of being done yeah i'm all about that life okay heather so i'm out of questions is there anything that you want to add here or tell people where they can follow you or any other information they may need to know about you well, thanks so much for having me, uh, number one. And if somebody listened this whole time, thanks for listening. <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram, um, athlete Heather Golnick, athlete underscore Heather underscore Golnick. And our website, again, is heathergolnick.us. And if you're interested, uh, shoot me a message, and we'd love to see if you're interested in the team. That sounds great. Heather, uh, thanks for doing this, and I hope to see you at a race soon this year. Well, I think I'm going to see you in Georgia, so I look forward to it. All right. Well, I'll see you there then. And thank you again for doing this. 
Yeah, for sure. All right. Hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Heather again for taking time to talk to us. If you're looking for a coach or you want to check out her camp and her OCR team, go and check out her website. Um, it sounds like she would be a great coach, you know, and she's been doing it for years too. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and uh, we will see you at the next race. Peace. Peace.